Welcome to Mixed Company. Bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. All right, welcome guys. Welcome company. back. Mixed Company. Yo, yo, yo. Hi. We've been on a bit of a hiatus. There's been a whole bunch of things going on in the universe, the <laughs> literally the whole universe in the last couple of weeks. That's fair. So... Sorry if you've missed us, but you're definitely going to want to stick around for all of the updates that we have. We got, like, real updates, real-life updates. How have y'all been the, during our time off, vacation, if you will? I was um, stressed until two days ago. I mean, stressed up until an hour ago, so. Hmm. Scrub, girl. I'm excited for the weekend, girl, and I'm elated. I can, first of all, who knew today was Wednesday? Second of all, why is it taking so long to get to Friday? <laughs> Like, the way my week is set up, I just feel, I literally feel like if I don't, if I don't document the moments that I've experienced at work these weeks, I won't deserve the raise that I'm going to ask for at my <laughs> sixth month review. Because there's no, you know, somebody asked me today if, uh, if I've had a chance to speak to my boss since I started. I thought it was just me that noticed that I haven't necessarily like had ample one-on-one time. But another, another oh, wow. people, I was like, it's one thing when your parents neglect you, but it's another thing when people out, people outside the home start to realize that yep. you're being neglected. Yep. <laughs> and I, and I, and I was like, oh, oh yes, of course, yes. Yeah. And then I, I went back and I sat at my desk and I felt sad. I felt like Tina Turner, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, man. I think they see. I think they're starting to see the bruises. Like, oh no, it was intense. That was a sad feeling. I see them. You see my bruises. <laughs> <laughs> the people see you, Kai. They always they see. they see your pain, and they actualize that <laughs> that you need to be you need some attention. I do love it. I know that feeling though. It's like, oh, I'm. I was just thinking this, but no, this is real. This is real. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Karina, how have you been? I feel elated. I mean, I shared some news, not sharing it like publicly, but um, so, so <laughs> not what? yet. So they're not gonna what? know what the secret is. <laughs> they're not gonna. The secret is not out now. But that was, that was a real Facebook move. I know, right? But <laughs> you guys don't know one. the amazing things happening in exactly. my life, but just you, know they're happening. And I'm gonna put it in like word art because now you can do like that word art type of slide. Are you thing. gonna add glitter too? <laughs> but no. Um, step one has happened, and I was really scared about it because it was Are a you conversation with my boss. No, conversation <laughs> with my boss. Oh. And um, I just really, it's nice when you have news and you and you have, you realize things about your career and yourself, and you have a team that will support you because that's not always the case. Why don't so, you give a little bit? So, yeah, no, I wanted to keep it to myself. But anyway. I, I mean, well, I guess you could say that you are, you're looking you're looking for a shift. Yeah, I'm beginning my shift. You are beginning your shift in career, not necessarily shift in job. Right, correct. Right, and that you've taken necessary steps based on things we've talked about on the show. Yes. To put that into action. Yes, thank you. Because that's how the hell you give a teaser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Congratulations her. in advance. I'm sure. Um, I'm, I'm excited. Sure, yeah, I'm sure as you move forward, like any change that happens, any transition, it's definitely scary. It's definitely really hard to understand, uh, to realize whether or not you're making the right or the wrong move. But what's it's better for you to make, to take the step and make the sh- transition and fail than to wonder if it'll uh, go through in the future. Yeah, so. and like 
honestly, just talking about it like privately, I feel like I feel very positive about it. I'm right. not. I'm not like I don't feel scared. So maybe that's a good sign. I'll take it. Absolutely. What about you, Simeon? You have. <laughs> I'm not even gonna. Yeah, just how have you been? Just um, how have you been? I'm just out here living my best life. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Uh, that means that I have... He's on the own network. <laughs> I, I, like Karina, am not ready to disclose all my, <laughs> my information publicly. True. Um, but I am gearing up for my Jesus year on Friday. You are also Amen. entering a transition. Yeah. It's, it's Jesus year starts on Friday. Wait. Okay, so I had a discrepancy. Your Jesus year, is that 33 or is that 30? Because... Mama, Jesus you're the started. One who told, you're the one who told me it was my Jesus year. I didn't. T- I told you that three years ago. Ooh. So now we're at three years. Right. This is, he, this is when he. This is when he also transitioned from human forms. Now we're getting into Christian. Well, we're getting into Bible study. But at thirty-three, because he uh, he preached publicly for three years and then transitioned to you know. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Like, <laughs> so you, you, you crossed, <laughs> listen. Because now when you put it into context, I'm kind of like, well, yeah. It's know. true, though. That's what I said. You're looking like a sinner I'm in right my now Jesus not knowing here. your Bible. You are, you are fulfilling self-fulfilled prophecies right now. You are transitioning. Listen, don't put me on the pulpit. This is Kai Fix Fix Your Life. <laughs> All of those things are happening right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean that's good, and also like not for nothing, not for nothing. Um, like I do believe that like as as seasons change, especially from, um, you know, from one drastic season to another, we're going into fall, which means that winter is coming. Shout out to what's Game it? of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Um, but like I do believe that people transition at like in in line with the season so i'm just gonna let you guys know i'm so excited to hear about all the crazy things that are gonna happen to you we're gonna get through it together career wise and personal wise um let's not call him crazy i'm not ready for that yeah i just want my life to no good night sir but yeah it's okay (laughs) yeah i don't want any craziness in my best life okay well speaking about transitions um we actually have a couple of guests with us today um, just to give you guys a heads up what our topic is. So we've been offline the last couple of weeks because conference season is upon us. If you guys remember anything from like, what, 15 episodes ago, conference season is really important. And we actually as a team took it upon ourselves to make sure that we were out in these streets networking at various events. Um, Simeon and I partook in uh, quite a few ad week events. Karina um, was out here with our Mafa family, um, also during Ad Week, putting on um, our own our own event, if you will, that speaks to transitioning and growing yep. and glowing up um, within your career. So we're gonna give you guys feedback about all of that, let you know what we've learned, what we liked, what we loathed, um, and right now to kick us off. Before we get into our listener letter, I'm actually going to transition to our dope shit, which is our guests. So, sorry, I had to take a pause because I'm talking too much and thinking too hard. But yeah, I'm going to transition over to our guests. So, just as a quick intro, um, you guys may have heard us speak about Ad Color in the past, which is an organization dedicated to um, 
not only pushing the uh, agenda of diversity and inclusion within the advertising and communication industries, but also working to engage and educate businesses, organizations, and agencies as to the importance of um, hiring and promoting uh, and also developing diverse um, talent within their industries. Part of the amazing um, platforms that they have created over the past few years is the Ad Color Futures program, which takes um, special care to invest, nurture, um, and kind of promote young uh, or up and coming uh, advertising execs, if you will, within the um, within the industry. So our very own Orlando Buttle um, was a part of that the class of 2017 this year. Um, he's brought along uh, a friend who was also part of the class, Travis, what's your last name? McPhee. McPhee, <laughs> Travis McPhee is here. So I'm actually gonna go ahead and pass off the mic to both of these gentlemen so they can tell you guys about their amazing, their amazing experience at Ad Color. 2017 in LA. Tell me how it was. Hi, Travis. <laughs> I was like, don't get shy I'm now. Like, I'm, like, I'm like, where where do I where do I start? Do we'll I have start off with your name, cause I right. well, Travis, you're new. Or people is, know Orlando. We talk about him all the time. He be all right. You go first. Uh, my name is Travis McPhee. I'm a associate media planner for Pay Social at, at Digitas. Hey y'all, um, this is Orlando, um, project manager at ESPN, and uh, yeah, I had the wonderful opportunity to go to um, Ad Color, as in Ad Color Future this year, and it was amazing. Great, so this is what, thanks a lot, Orlando, appreciate that. So essentially what I'm looking for from you both is Tell me, so Travis, we actually didn't get to get to get your full rundown of like, we know you work at Digitas, mm -hmm. what do you do there? Mm -hmm. How long have you been there? And then walk us through both of your experiences at Ad Color as an Ad Color Futures um, nominee or fellow. Is that yeah. is that the correct fellow? That's the right term? Um, yeah, let's just go from there. All right, well, I've been at Digitas for as long as I've been at in living in New York, which is about six or seven months. Um, so coming here from Illinois. Oh wow! Yes. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> so my ad color uh, futures journey started uh, by knowing about the program. So I know a couple of individuals who did the futures program in years prior to. So after I finally got my first salary paying jobs, putting that in air quotes, um, <laughs> then I decided to apply for it because in order to apply for ad color futures, you have to have one to three years of experience within the industry. So I'm like, all right, now I can actually apply because I got some concrete experience behind me. I applied for it uh, just by going through the application process and uh, they have individuals uh, that are alumni of the program and part of the advisory board that interview you. And then from there, they go to a deliberation out of all the candidates that they interviewed and all the applicants to select who you are. And they pick between 30, 31 people each year. Uh, and I was, we were lucky to be a one or two of the 30. Congratulations. Dope. Orlando, how did you hear about the program? So mine is a bit different. I actually, actually I went to Ad Color um, for the first time in 2013 with um, 
Tiffany R. Warren, she decided to bring her class because I did an internship with her um, called Omnicom Mega, the Omnicom Mega Evers College Internship, um, Omnicom Mega Evers College Associates Program, Omega. And um, after that, she took us to Add Color. So I got, I heard about the program then, but I didn't really understand what it was all about. So I went back in um, 2015. That year, I had like more knowledge of the program, and I and I said, okay, this is a program that I fit the criteria because yes, I um, embodied the um, motto of rising up and reaching back, and um, I also have been in the industry for roughly two years. Then, so I said, yes, let's. I would like to be a part of this program, so I decided to apply this year, and I got in. What about the program did you like that made you want to go through that process? So the what I like about the program, like I said before, um, or earlier, <laughs> <laughs> he told you per my previous email. <laughs> <laughs> per my per the previous email, let's, let's, let's I already guys. said. <laughs> you said you, you saw it three. You you went two times, and something about it made you want to apply, but you didn't say what about it. <laughs> what what about this program? What is it? What is per it? Per my for previous you? email, <laughs> <laughs> to clarify. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not trying to be shady. But um, you can't even help. What I was gonna say is, I'm I'm too lit for shade. <laughs> but um, what I was gonna say is the mantra or the motto of Ad Color is rising up and reaching back. And that is actually what he said. <laughs> <laughs> that is no. exact. Those were exactly his words. He but. said the motto and their platform inspired him reaching oh, so up and reaching back. So you heard, Orlando, you heard about the program through Tiffany R. Warren herself. And then, Travis, you heard you heard about the program from friends, uh, I guess, friends within the industry circle in Chicago, in in Illinois, not Chicago, per se. They're all over the U.S. Okay, individuals I personally know previously to the program. So you both had personal attachments to people that have heard of or been in the programs before. Great. Tell us a little bit about what um, what you guys did as fellows this year uh, for this year's fellows class. Yes. So um, upon upon <laughs> getting to um, the venue, we had orientation, we had registration. After that, um, we had they set up a few um, classes that they co- they consider um, at color universities, which um, they put them in place to help us with the hackathon that we go- that we worked on and also to help us um, in our day-to-day life whether at work or in our personal life so um, one of the classes were or the universities were um, one was an improv class with with UCB and um, that was amazing they taught us that taught me a lot so, um, what was the biggest thing you've learned, like from like the workshops that you went to? Oh, oh yeah. sorry. <laughs> well, going back to the improv one, I would definitely say uh, what we were doing in action. Uh, one of the role roles that we played was yes, yes, and 
So if you're in the meeting yep. building off other people's ideas instead of saying yes, but it's like passive aggressive. Or to just or say no, no instead yeah. of just saying no here. Yep. So that's that really good. That's a really that, good one. Workshop. That's good. The best is usually when I say yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> you actually say yes and no. You do that pause too. Yes and no. No. <laughs> That's funny. All right, great. What about you, Orlando? That was actually was my biggest takeaway from that, um, from that, from the universities. Uh, other another university that they had was. And these universities are workshops. Workshops. Correct? Got you. Um, another one was um, with seventy two and Sony. They brought them in to give us a lo- the lowdown of optimism and how to stay optimistic within workplace um, shout out to Tracy oh, Smith she's over she there at 72. Was, oh. she was amazing she was the one who um, gave the presentation well share awesome. some pointers how do you stay optimistic Orlando no oh <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah it was great um, she you would have to review the deck and get back to <laughs> yeah. absolutely yeah no I mean if you are able to listen first of all that means that you guys are playing the utmost attention but I'm sure if if the workshop was being run by Tracy Smith mm-hmm. for those of you if you've had the pleasure and the honor of spending any amount of time with her she's one of the nicest most knowledgeable people in the business um so and and she's always positive like there's always a positive spin no matter what what she's explaining to you um, on a situation. So I'm sure it was helpful. So with that being said, what is your takeaway? Like outside, so back to going back to Simeon's point Mm -hmm. about outside of just a tagline, outside of just another organization or another conference to attend and be a part of, what do you feel is the biggest takeaway? Why would you suggest that somebody else apply for this opportunity um, and put themselves out there to to learn and get better um, and to be a part of a movement that um, encourages agencies and people to be more diverse within the communication fields. That is a lot to wrap into one question, <laughs> one answer. Well, I'm Give try me five answers. My best to do it. Uh, first is like my largest takeaway from it uh, for individuals, even outside the network. The network, you could say, is like the highest value thing you could do when you go to Ad Color. But what, what's unique about the network is who's there. There are so many people, powerful people within high-ranking positions within these large agencies and these large 500, Fortune 500 companies that are people of color. And it's something that you don't see because you rarely see them in the media. You, re- you probably see like and one not just African And not just African-American or not just people of African no, descent. So it's like, like it's color. all people yeah, of color. Ra- we got the brown people. Yeah. We got is white all people, types of people. Asian all people, types of people. people. <laughs> all types of people, every hue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I need that in real life. Every yeah. hue. <laughs> all right. So everybody. So there's all kinds of people over there that yeah, you don't so, get a uh, chance to see. Yeah. So from that is like really inspiring to know that we can actually reach that height because from there it's only imaginary. You only could think about it, but to mm-hmm. actually see it actually be possible or someone that looks like you, that resonates with you, that may come from, you from the same background, to mm-hmm. actually, actually accomplish it is very inspirational. It just goes to show that how much more work we have to do because we don't even know these individuals. So I'm grateful to have been in the same room to know their names that now I know that I can reach out to them. And by being a future, it gives me an opportunity to step in front of the line to actually get to them. 
because it's something that they've already dedicated their life and their career workings towards diversity and inclusion. Cool. Cool. Orlando, what about you? What was your biggest takeaway and what would you, why would you recommend this program to somebody else coming up behind you? Um, like what Travis said, um, you're never going to, you're never going to get to be in a room where, um, you're going to see people who looks like you talk like you, um, think like you. So, um, and well, let's not say never, because I'm assuming that's the whole point of ad color is to some, at some point in our future, have that experience, right? Yes. But I was getting to a point. Yes. And you getting to a point. (laughs) Learning. (laughs) (laughs) So, and these people are like, he said also, um, they're of high ranking in their companies and they're of, they're people of color. Also, um, another big takeaway, well, a few, there are a few, but um, they're from the panels that they had um, this year. They had one, um, 20, 2017, um, things that changed um, America, and that was very, very informative. They also had one called Five Woke Women with um, Rutina, Rutina Wesley from Queen Sugar. They had Jessica Chung from, who's a copywriter from um, Media Arts Lab. Um, that was another great one. Um, another a quote that I took away from Jessica was, um, "You can't just tweet black hashtag Black Lives Matter and consider yourself woke. You have to do the work," which I totally agree with. So, yeah, that was my biggest takeaway. Awesome. Well, we're definitely excited that you guys were able to come back and share your experience with us. Um, we think that that Orlando having you as a part of the, as a part of the production team and having this opportunity and able to being able to give us um, almost like a, a a firsthand account of what the experience is like is amazing. Um, we Travis, we wish you all the luck and all of the uh, what's the what's a better word that I'm looking for. We just wish you all the success and hopefully your experience at. Ad color helps to um, push you forward and project you in your career. So thank you both. Thank you. Appreciate you. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. And see and future. Absolutely. And now we can go ahead and jump into our. Yeah. Thanks for ac- answering my question. We can go ahead and jump into <laughs> our listener question. Actually, no. I'm yes, gonna pause. What kind of question is that even? How you? How you ask a question because you're trying to get to a point? I wasn't trying to get to a point. You I just I felt like he could have went deeper. That's not your business. You didn't go. You're not a future. Oh, there goes your future. We won't let him answer his question. You have a whole you have a whole show to do. I do have a whole show to do. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Speaking about having a whole show to do, we actually had uh, a listener letter come through a, f- a couple days ago. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read this, and then we can respond. Um, this is from an anonymous user, or anonymous listener, and she says, I'm the only black woman and black employee on my floor in my department, in the entire company, etc." The conversations in the common areas that center around current events, such as Confederate statues, to remove or not to remove have been troubling. 
How can I contribute my stories? We need for we. How can I contribute my stories to mixed company? We need a new word for microaggression, as there is nothing micro about these transgressions that occur in quote unquote mixed company. Thanks in advance. Okay. Um. So essentially. A, it sounds like there's two, there it sounds like there are two questions. How can you contribute your stories to the show? The other is about um, telling, uh, I guess, about having this conversation around the quote-unquote water cooler and how do you contribute your stories uh, in, in mixed company with, um, I guess, with co-worker, with in, I guess, with your other co-workers, is that... Co-workers that you co-worker. may not nece- necessarily share the same opinions with. Yeah. I think the first answer is con- continue to write into us and let us know like what you got going on. We're always here to find tea, no matter how far or how personal or how uh, um, not our business the tea is. We're all, <laughs> we always just want to hear it. So make sure you send it to us and we'll read it and we'll try to keep your name anonymous each time as well. Or um, if you want to be fancy, maybe they can report it if it's a long story. You know, I... Maybe they want to be anonymous. I, I don't want anybody to get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> like, I heard you on a show. I, I think it was you. Think, I know you. <coughs> People be listening closely. I don't know closely. that's the best idea. Um, but definitely share your stories that you hear at these water cooler areas and let us know what's going on in your office um, being the fly on the wall. Um, as far as having these conversations with other coworkers, I think this is something that we kind of talk about a lot also. What do you guys think? Yeah. I think, like, I think sometimes we overthink it. Like, you're, we're, we overthink the fact of should we contribute our stories or not? And you should. That's the whole purpose of you're going to have a different perspective. And if you don't agree with something, I'm always – a firm believer it's really how it's said how it's delivered you don't if you hear somebody who's like well I just don't understand why we have to get rid of the flag I mean you put in your two cents and you be done with it there's one thing of putting your two cents and say this is my two cents and walk away and then there's another thing putting your your two cents and being open for an argument or right. discussion so that's what I mean by like it's all the it's how you phrase you know your story or your response and also just picking your picking your battles i think that's something that um i feel like i've been saying a lot to my my creative teams lately like yes you probably do have insight that is not only valuable but could be life-changing and earth-shattering that that the people around you um probably do need to know and do need to be educated on however um, there will be hundreds of those conversations to contribute to uh, while you are at work. Like, there will always be an opportunity to educate. And to Karina's point, you got to pick your battles. Like, is this the conversation that I'm willing to get? have everybody go get up in arms about so now we can go into lunch late or, you know, tension is carrying over to a client meeting or, or whatever the case may be like? Is this the conversation that I want to to have the uncomfortable um, communication with my coworker about? If it is, then by all means, you know, balls to the wall, say what you got to say, state your piece, listen, always make sure you're a listener, and then respond accordingly. If it's not the thing you care about educating people on the most in this moment, 
don't waste your time. Mind I'll, your I'll say this. Because, <laughs> Karina, you said you, you think that we overthink it sometimes. I, I think no. <laughs> because when you, when you look at the context of her situation where she's the only black employee and the only black woman in this, in this company, you know, these companies don't become predominantly white by accident, right? So to me, I, I don't think that, that she's overthinking it. I think she's being cautious because raising or contributing her opinion in these situations can have repercussions, right? So you could, and she could approach it the same way that you said, which is, you know, very nicely and very kindly and people can still take offense to it what i mean by overthink is overthink to the point where you don't share your perspective Mm. in fear of losing your position case in point i have on my team you know it's predominantly white but we have maybe like two three minority people and there are times that somebody on the team would say something that would be considered ignorant and it may be a joke or something, but we. What I like about this team is that they 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 address it immediately in real time. So if he says some, if the person says something, sorry, it's a he, <laughs> but if it they say he. something <laughs> and it's like not really funny, someone will say, "I don't find that funny." But the thing about him is, he doesn't he doesn't become reactive. He asks why. Why, why, he's like, he'll probably say, like, I thought it was funny, but, and then someone will be open, well, that's not funny because blah, blah, blah. So you don't want to overthink something where you don't share your perspective because you should at the same time. It's how you say it. So Sometimes I, I, I think that we overthink things to the point where it's like, you know, you go through this internal um, dialogue with yourself, like sh- debate. You should I say something? Should I not? By the time you have this internal debate, you're tired. And you're like, you know what? Never mind. And so, it never comes out. So I think the format that, that you just mentioned is is interesting, which is, you know, asking a question, right? Because just looking, if if the if the goal is to educate, then a good place to start is figuring out why that person feels that way or said that thing. So it's why do you think that's funny? Or why do you why do you feel like we should leave up Confederate statues or whatever the case may be? Because then you have a jumping off point that isn't jumping off from your opinion. Because I mean, and that's kind of what's happening in the country right now, which is everyone has an opinion, no one is really listening, no one's really asking questions. But when you ask a question, which is why do you feel that way? Because then they can, and I also feel like. So then they can give you their answer, which you can use facts to dispute. But also, it I think when you ask somebody a question, that is, it's kind of provocative because if they're saying something that's offensive in that moment and you're asking them a question, well, why do you feel that way? It makes them stop and have to think about the answer. Right. Because the answer, especially if it's something that is stemmed in racism or misogyny, they have to almost realize that thing within themselves if they're interested in that but their response is probably going to be rooted in one of these isms or phobias or social transgressions that normally uh, take place you can't really predict how people are going to react like 
you can only put out, you can only predict of how you're going to react. So you may pose it as a question. You may come in, like you said, Sim, like, you may come in there as kind as you possibly can be, and you get a different response than anything that you could ever imagine. They might get even more angry. There is no, like, you don't know how people are going to respond. So at the same time, you can't be sitting here walking on eggshells because you don't know how people are going to respond. You know, that's why I mean by that, also with that internal dialogue where it gets so, you get so tired of doing it, like, internally in yourself that you just don't say anything, and I think that's far worse. This is Karina talking from experience. (laughs) This is is Karina describing her transition from Karina to Rena's to Rena 2017. <laughs> and I just want to say, friend, I'm so proud to hear you, like, you articulate those feelings. Like, oh, mm-hmm. like going from feeling, and I, I, I'm not much older, but, like, listening from when we started the show and how you had questions about how to uh, approach situations and how to speak your mind to now, like, you feel that it's very definitive, like, fuck all the bullshit, this is what I'm going to say, and you either going to take it or you're not. Like, I, I applaud your, your growth and your progress, and girl, you Thanks, friends. Just, just, just transitioning you two change. <laughs> you two change. You two change, you but, different. So, but also, oh. just to piggyback off what you say, I think <laughs> also a, a more succinct way is don't stress it to the point where you talk yourself out of addressing right. what just happened, right? Because what you're feeling is real, right? Right. It's, it's a real feeling. You feel uncomfortable. You feel hurt. You feel offended. What you're feeling is real. So don't overthink it to the point where you talk yourself out of addressing it. A good way to jump off addressing, addressing it is asking a very simple question, which is, why did you say that? Why do you feel that way? Why is this your, is this your opinion? Because then you can you can have an open dialogue about what it is that's, that happened. And then just to caveat, like, if you're heated, one last thing. Because I thought, like, there are things that can be triggering for people, and yet you automatically get hot. You know, that's not the time to be like, well, why did you think that way? Like, you know, you can take a breather and maybe talk to that person if you so well please. You know, you have to think about that, especially as a black woman, like, you know, there are things that are going to be triggering and you automatically go off the handle. There are times that you have to take a step back. You know, it's all about, like you said, Kai, like choosing your battles. But at the same time, don't overthink it. You have a perspective. You should share it. Absolutely. Okay. So I hope that's helpful. Um, I was trying to segue into our whole topic about Ad Week. <laughs> but it seems... <laughs> That we need, that we actually had more to discuss about how to address uncomfortable conversations in the workplace. Um, We definitely hope to hear further about how you're doing and let us know some other stories you got going on. So, Ad Week. Woohoo! Ad Week in New York City um, took place, uh, I guess, a couple weeks ago now. Um, And the three of us had the opportunity to experience different fat different facets if you will of um events that were happening during ad week as well as a part of the ad uh advertising week uh adjacent 
<laughs> right. So some of us did some like off ad week things, and then uh, some of us did like ad week ad week things, like yeah, yeah. off Broadway, Broadway, whatever. Yeah, I, I got that. I was okay. like, that's good. That's good. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so I feel like, I, let me go first. So yeah. I had the opportunity to hit up quite a few panels um, during Ad Week that were directly off of the, um, directly off of the website. A few of them I found interesting. Some of them I thought, nah, I don't think I, I don't think this was for me. Um, and then there were a couple highlighted moments where I was like, wow, I can't believe how much culture is changing. So let me start off with the first event I went to, which was the evolution of hip hop and branding. Um, this panel was essentially uh, sponsored, I believe, by Universal Mu Music Group, um, and also had panelists that came from Anheuser-Busch, um, their, their entertainment and, it was a marketing and entertainment department, um, Spotify, obviously Universal Music Group, and uh, I believe Def Jam. Oh, dope. So at first, I, I honestly went into that panel just feeling like they're not gonna say nothing I didn't know. Why all of a sudden are, you know, why all of a sudden are we talking so much about hip hop during ad week? I'm a hip hop head, but also I'm very sensitive about, you know, my shit. I'm sensitive about the culture. I, I always wanna protect the culture, and I just didn't understand why this was in 2017 a conversation. Mm -hmm. I was pleasantly surprised as the conversation, and I don't think that was the intention, but the conversation actually took a turn for um, there to be an explanation of why all of a sudden um, hip hop is now being verbally or, or publicly considered the mainstream pop music um, when that's something that most of us have known for at least 20 years. Um, and essentially what came out of this conversation, which I thought was very, was a very bright way to uh, articulate it is, look, thanks to this str these streaming services that honestly hip hop and rock and roll focused labels were so vehemently like against about 10 years ago, we've been able to collect data that not only shows that, yes, everyone listens to, to hip hop, mm -hmm. but the numbers actually show that it's pop music. So not just, like, we used to do something when I used to work at labels where we had to count, like, BDS spins, which yeah, is, yeah. like, how many spins um, that you're getting on the radio yeah. station. Mm -hmm. And we all know that even on the radio station, like, that's not necessarily um, accurate because the music directors decide what radio, what songs get played a day and within an hour, et cetera, et cetera. But due to streaming, that is, uh, that is consumer-led. So I control what I'm listening to and how frequently I listen to it. And the results that come from all of those streams show that consumers all around the world, they said like some billion number of, con of users, of streaming users, mm -hmm have proven that hip-hop is um, the lead choice of music for, for most people worldwide that we can track. So huh. it's the data. So now it's the numbers are actually here to quantify what we've known about hip-hop, where before, due to culture, um, we were only able to qualify it. So I found that cool. part interesting. Yeah. Um, 
the other piece that they talked about in here, and then I'll move on to the other ones um, that I thought was was really important, came from Sasha Jenkins, and I believe Sasha Jenkins comes from. Sounds familiar. Nope, it's a man. Oh, then Sasha Jenkins is the chief creative officer at Mass Appeal. Oh, oh, never mind. Keep going. And he was talking (laughs) about how um, the conversation was about like brands missing internal insights and how. You know, people that are a part of our culture or hip hop culture in general, because it's not just black, but hip hop culture specifically, um, how we we don't always get hired for jobs where we can contribute the most insight. And he was saying um, there was a time where we really just didn't have anything like we didn't have anything. We didn't have any capital that was useful in the world. Um, But he mentioned that rarely do we own anything, but something that we we as um, I guess hip hop heads or people within the hip hop culture, what we do own now is social capital. We own our we own our identities, mm. and that that's something that you can actually exchange for um, for equity. That's something that you can exchange for compensation. That yes, we don't necessarily own all of the the buildings in Brooklyn. Shout out to Jay Z's four four four. But our culture, our insight, the way we move, our coolness is now commodifiable in a way that we should be exchanging this uh, for compensation and for work within the communication industry. So it's like intelligence, like property. It is an intelligence property, exactly. Um, So those were those were some of my those were two of my really big takeaways from that panel. I was pleasantly surprised and enjoyed it. And obviously, I'm always here to talk about hip hop. Cool. Um, I also went to the Bearing It All, the Art of Social panel. Um, where essentially the panel discussion was talking about um, what social media is and how should we use it. Honestly, probably not the best use of my time. And and not because I didn't need to know it, but I could tell that that panel itself was was skewed for an older audience that may not necessarily have grown up with social media the way I have or or you guys have. but I could I can understand it was literally a step by step process as to how to um, use social media and get your maximum benefit from it. Okay. And I could see if you didn't know how to use social media for your business or for your for your personal brand, I could see how it would be helpful. Did they talk about like? Because I've been watching Shark. Oh, let me talk how I got to this question. So I've been watching Shark Tank lately, and. There was a business where Mark Cuban, after he heard the guy's, um, you know, his, uh, what's it called? His pitch. He was like, well, why don't you go on social media? Like, your product would do, like, gold. If you had went on Instagram and a lot of people post pictures and the product was, like, painting your dog. Did they ever talk about, like, at your panel that there are some things that, you need social media for and there's some things that you really don't need or did they ever talk about that at the panel they didn't talk about what you wouldn't need social for but they did talk they what they did bring up during this is like what you what were some key things that helped your 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 social media uh channels work better um so essentially they were saying that you would you would want to use social media for the immediacy of it, like you instantly are able to communicate your message from your hand mm-hmm. 
to a direct user instantly as we're before with advertising you know you have to create the brief and now we have to you know put it through print and then we have to go into production and get it you know go through operations to get the posters I don't know put up in the in whatever your local bank so now people know that you can open a checking account for whatever whatever now if a bank if Wells Fargo just tweets hey come open a new account however x followers you have they automatically know they can come open an account for whatever your um your promotion is cool the other thing they talked about was the exchange like it's energies and you exchange energy and ideas so it's also a place to it's also a platform to use as a focus group Mm -hmm. and then also they talked about the poetic language it's on social media that you're able to get creative because you have such um you have such a, a, a small frame of time to get people's attention mm-hmm. that you have to be creative. Mm. Um, so they did talk about that. Um, cool. There was a panel called the CEO Action for Diversity and Inclusion. There were uh, a few CEOs on the panel. Um, I didn't really hear much that they pushed for a top-down diversity and inclusion um, uh effort huh um but honestly it was nothing that we haven't heard before um yeah it was nothing that we haven't heard before and and i honestly wasn't impressed i i I honestly walked away from that panel just feeling like wow you guys still don't get it they still like you still don't get it i think is it because like they just said like sea levels need to talk or be more woke or whatever and just left it at that um I'm trying to look at my notes. So there was, you know what? There was a woman on the panel. panel. There were two uh, African-American men on the panel, and there were three white men on the panel. Um, And what I took from one, I took from one of the African-American men something that was important, where he was speaking that as a board of directors, like being on a board of directors, like he felt that, um, we have like his his specific thought was sometimes being the only person of color in a boardroom can be tough, but we have to fight for civil rights every time we're in the boardroom, and that was something that I took away. Like, okay, you get it, because saying fight and civil rights in the same sentence is talking about a corporation that has to be hard. He also comes from finance, so I thought that part was interesting. He didn't directly work in advertising. Everybody else spoke about how they want to do better, they should be doing better, they're trying to do better. But again, most of these men have been in these positions for, I will say, longer than my career, right? So it's almost frustrating to go sit in in 2017, um, where I honestly do believe, although there wasn't an exact theme for Ad Week, to sit in a panel in 2017 and listen to people talk about what they want to do, what they're trying to do, when per the last panel about social media, we know how immediate things can actually change and happen if you would just prioritize it. So it felt like for me a lot of smoke and mirrors. It felt like a lot of the books and op-eds and ad week that I've read before. And I wasn't interested in hearing anything else except this is what we did today. This is what we've been doing. And these are the results we've churned out. And instead, it was a lot of idea bouncing that I'm sure they've bounced off of with their internal teams and a lot of what we plan for in the future. The future is now. What are you doing? Right. And I think cool. that's, that's, that's a good point, which is this 
this echo chamber that we've created talking about diversity where it's all about what we could be what we're not doing what we could be doing what we're doing wrong what we plan on doing but no one's actually approaching this the same way that they approach briefs from their client which is this is the problem this is how we plan on solving it when they when when they talk about diversity it's almost like it's this omniscient being in the room that people are trying to figure out where how does this happen where when it's it's people that happen like people make things happen decisions happen on a daily basis that are rooted in bias biased um thoughts and feelings that perpetuate these problems that are happening that create the need for diversity and inclusion because i think one of the things that we need to stop stop doing is talking about the solution like it's the problem so when you say diversity and inclusion problems you're you're skirting around what the real issues are so people talk mentioning civil rights and saying what are you what are you fighting for on a daily basis and these um, corporate environments. I feel like that's a good place to start, which is this should be, it's a daily thing. It's not a weekly meeting. Everyone needs to be doing their part on a consistent basis for actual change to um, happen. Yep, I agree. Um, and then I also, and Simeon, I'll actually, I'll actually let you talk about this one, but shout out to Goddess Rivera, as always, that's big sister. She's all, she holds us down. She promotes us on her channels and her personal network. Her, child, she said she she got her mama listening. <laughs> she got her whole Miss Watts. Hey Miss hey Watts <laughs> listens to Mixed Company. Oh my gosh. And was telling me about the shows. And I was like, yo, I gotta stop cussing so <laughs> Goddess's mama be listening to the show. But um Goddess and her agency, VML, um, actually produced their own panel during Ad Week this year which was absolutely amazing. I'm so, I was so excited to uh, be there to, to witness it. Um, appropriately titled, Woke Lit Ready, and it was a conversation about black Twitter and its impact on culture and advertising. So I'm hella bad at recaps instead of jumping in at any point. Um, <laughs> but one of, one of the most interesting things that I thought, and I think it was an accident or it wasn't initially planned, was that the moderator was a white dude, and this panel was. You said you thought it was an accident. Yeah, I don't. No, I don't, it was planned. I was planned. All right, cool. Well, okay. Um, but the moderator was a white dude, which I thought was really interesting, and he acknowledged it at the beginning, which is like, why is this white dude sitting on a stage moderating a panel um, about Black Twitter? But I feel like it created a really interesting dynamic. Um, and indirectly pointed out the need for diversity at agencies because I don't want to say he was clueless, but he was clueless to Jason. Where, you know, there were things, I mean, some of his questions were like, well, you know, well, why not a black Facebook? Why not a black Instagram? And so the, the panelists were, to me, it was, it was more of an education. It was them educating him on the stage as to why Twitter has become the medium for black people to to gather and communicate uh, and speak in authentic voices about the the things that happen within our community and also sort of expose the the nuances that 
occur when we're communicating on Twitter as opposed to a Facebook or an Instagram or whatever other um, platforms that we're using right now? Yes. Okay. So just to give a little history on this. So we had Goddess on the show and she talked about her, um, her presentation that she has been given for the last few shoot, I guess the last year about black Twitter. Um, and it evolved into this panel. Um, and, and to, um, I, be, I believe, and ooh, goddess, please let me, just let me know if I need to cut this. <laughs> I guess I'll ask her before I actually put this out there. But um, the CEO, that, that white dude, as you said to me, and is actually the CEO of CML, um, who's actually been, I would say, um, advocating on behalf of and also sponsoring Goddess's effort to increase diversity, the, uh, the increase, increase diversity at VML and also to become a more inclusive environment. Um, and his, I believe that his intention was not only to learn, but also to show that the, there should be dialogue, yeah. it, that the conversation is not just, if, if people that are not a part of the black Twitter community want to know more about it, that they should ask questions and be involved and engaged. Um, so that I believe that was his intention. No, I think um, that, that came through though. And that totally came yeah. through. Um, there were quite a few other people on the panel as well um, that actually spoke to people from, uh, we had speakers from BET, Giphy, Bleacher Report, um, and of course, Goddess, and uh, McCann, I believe, and also Goddess was there representing VML. Um, but that panel in itself, I thought was really empowering to see it, just to, uh, to honestly, see this white man in such a powerful position, just as those other CEOs on that other panel that I went to, ask questions and also be corrected. Because there was this really powerful moment where he asked, well, where is the er the margin of error? Like, where is the sympathy when, when agencies, and quite honestly, white people get it wrong when speaking and referencing black Twitter and creating content for uh, the black Twitter community and I believe Josen, who writes for the Bleacher Report and and had at one point um, worked at Twitter, was like, "There is like, what do you mean? Like, why would you, like, why would why why would we feel bad for you for getting it wrong, essentially, right. and cool. questioning like, and but I feel like it's that dialogue that's really important. It's the honest dialogue where it's like, yeah, you can ask me this question, but I'm also going to counter with a deeper question." A couple of, um, I'm trying to find, like, there was a really so, good. To piggyback off that point, so the guy, uh, Tyel Hayes, who I think is from BET, mm -hmm. um, one of the things that he said was, like, tone deaf basically equals laziness. And so that, that margin of error is kind of like that he was, I guess, I wouldn't say he was advocating for it, but he was questioning, well, what, what, sort of concessions are made for when people get it wrong. And I think that tone, des tone deafness equals laziness was like a really good um, response to that because basically it's, it's what he was saying was that it shows, it shows us that you didn't even try because all the talent is there. You can go on black Twitter and find, you can go on Twitter and find people who are engaging and black people who are engaging in these communities to work at your agencies, but the fact that you're not and you're willing to get it wrong shows that you're not really making an, uh, an effort to correct 
to avoid making a mistake. Right. Um, Tayeli also offered a really important sentiment that um, I think we tweeted from the Pop Mix Company account where he said, in, in, in order to really see a community, you have to see the beauty in every, in every part of that community. And I thought that that line specifically um, addressed, excuse me, the difference between appropriation and celebration of a culture where you can't just take us at our hip hop, champagne pouring, model, bikini wearing, yacht during yacht week, hip hop video selves. You also have to take us as, you know, the, uh, the the single mother who works for a very the, like low wage low wages that works in a cafeteria or are homeless. You have to also take us at our worst and um, and um, speak to speak to that and appreciate that about our community in order to really in order to really get it. Um, in order to really get us and in order to truly understand who we are so that it's not just you taking the pieces of us you like, it's you taking us in as we are. Um, Goddess also, I think the most important thing is that Goddess actually offered um, a definition, if you will, for black Twitter. And that's something that I don't think any of us have articulated um, or I haven't heard articulated rather until now where she said that you know, black Twitter is not a separate app. Um, essentially, like, if it's, where is the actual, do, 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 do. She says black Twitter is not a separate app. Um, if you know, if you don't know it, you can't find it. And I think that it's a community. If you don't know it, you can't find it. So black Twitter is not a separate app. It's a community. If you don't know it, you can't find it. And that's the direct quote. So essentially, it's like, it's the same as, as trying to figure out, like, okay, well, where do I go get, you know, I'm West Indian, whatever. So where do I get the best beef patty? And it's like, well, you're not going to just get it. You don't just go to the best beef patty store. No, you actually have to go to a community where this is something that's celebrated um, and if you know how to engage and look for that community, you can be a part of that conversation. Because black Twitter essentially is the conversation, it's not the thing, it's not a house or a building you walk into. It is the conversation that we, ha that we have, it's the fellowship that we have about our culture. Um, so I thought that was really powerful. That's really beautiful. Um, no, there, there were a lot of like good things that were said, I think, you know, the, the black people on the stage control the conversation. Like, and, and because they control the conversation and they were unapologetic about their stance, you know, at the end of the day, like, this is ad week. Like, the advertising business is still predominantly white. And so they could have um, softened their tone or they could have, you know, tried to make their... Um, the, their points more palatable, but I think they were really s giving raw, raw perspectives on not just black Twitter, but black culture. Like this is the entirety of it. Um, and that's why I think that that quote from Tyel, where he was like, you have to appreciate all of it. Like and and the thing is Tyelli. Um, where you have to appreciate all of it. To me, that was, that was so um, deep, if you will, because I think that's what 
that quote can be extended into what we experience on a day-to-day basis where we go to work and we want, don't just take the fact that we can do copy or project management or producing or account, right? Take all of it because I think that that's, at the end of the day, that's what we're fighting for when we talk about inclusion. So to me, that was the only panel that I went to because I was uh, booked and busy, but um, it was probably one of the best panels that I've ever went to at uh, Ad Week, where I walked away actually going, all right, cool, like, this is a good thought starter. Hopefully there were more people in the room who um, were there to learn and take things back to their agency that aren't necessarily black and can teach other people to look at the way that we engage with each other a little bit differently. I have a question. Is this your first, was this your first um, Ad Week? No, I used to go all the time. No, oh. my first I haven't been to Ad Week yet, so maybe next year. I'm sure you've probably <laughs> been to at least one event. No. No, unless I, when we were IPG thing, yeah, we, we went to. Yeah. Hmm. Well, since then I haven't pass. gone. Yeah, yeah, didn't realize it. So you actually did some Ad Week adjacent event. Yes. So as we mentioned on prior episodes, we, uh, I would say affiliation partnership with MAFA New York, um, that's M-A-F-A New York. We had an event where it was a fireside chat with uh, the lovely ladies at Job Logs and a workshop right after that's about health, wealth, and growth. And it, it was take it to the next level. It was all about leveling up in these three aspects of your life. It was awesome especially for the wealth part, because a lot of people, they, at, you know, at this, probably like when you're in mid-level, you already know about your budget and you want to learn about investing and things like that. So we had an awesome, awesome financial advisor. And then we had one of our, um, what is it called? Our executive board members, Eileen, she did a wonderful job with the growth, you know, having those uncomfortable conversations that you need to have to make the next step in your career. And then for the health part, we had a mindfulness workshop um, hosted by Publicis Health and how to relax, you know, breathing techniques, yoga. It was really good. The job box part was awesome. We got to do, it was more of a conversation between everybody about how to not only care about your finances, but even outside of your work, some of us have, you know, entrepreneurial, you know, wants. Um, how can we make that into a um, a respected business as well as like how do we put a price on our services and things like that so I got a lot of gems it was a great event we're gonna we're hoping to have one for next year but it was a great 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 event and a lot of people after that went to the two chains concert for the end of that week I was there So it was nice. It was it was awesome. And and shout out to the team at Moffa New York. Had a Definitely. awesome event. And we're gonna have one coming up in the near future this year. So we'll let you know. Yeah, you should drop some insight on that one because I think that one's gonna be really. You want to drop the insight, Sim? So the next event, um, and you gotta follow us on Twitter and Facebook to and make Instagram. sure you're and Instagram to make sure you're invited is going to be focused on black women who are aspiring to be in the C-suite. Um, and it's a continuation of a conversation, um, and I think we talked about this earlier this year, um, the IPG event. 
Was that this year? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so basically, it's, it's going to be a continuation of that conversation, but we're trying to frame it a little bit differently where we're not having um, everyone who's in the C-suite talking to each other. We want it to be, you know, kind of the purpose of the show, which is um, a bottom-up approach to solutions where we're creating dialogues with people who are actually making the decisions that for um, who gets hired for the C-suite to create a dialogue with between them and black women to understand what are those barriers that are that are in that are currently happening that are keeping them out of these high positions so it's pushing beyond the glass ceiling you know because there's like a double one for black women but um we're going to talk about that event we're supposed to have it in november and you'll see our lovely faces um from mixed company there we'll give we'll let you know more information as we get closer event more systems yep. language and more artwork so be on the lookout i'm excited should be dope all right um speaking of the two chains concert i definitely went to the opening show and the closing show so for those of you which i didn't realize most people didn't know this there's an opening show? yeah there's an opening who opens it was supposed to be nas nas was a no show no go no show no call no show um, but we ended up actually having um, uh, Pusha T headline the opening with an appearance by Dave East. And we also had Two Chains close the show. And I'm just going to leave you all with this. Um, if you have the opportunity to go see Ch- Two Chains perform Pretty Girls Like Trap, please do. It was literally the best rap concert, hip hop concert I've been to in years i'm talking like all of the atlanta culture i'm talking about all of the trap culture everything that if it was like atlanta at terminal five that evening like you had the church choir there you had the stripper booties there you had it but like in a way where it was like art and i feel like most people felt that as well so i turned up and got my 4 a.m on um, I also, it was just amazing. Um, but I had, I, I will say I had a great time this year at Ad Week. Um, I enjoyed liking most of the panels that I went to and I enjoyed, um, walking away feeling like I would, like I didn't learn anything from certain panels. Cause that, that also for me was, I guess, um, a moment of realization that I have grown or my knowledge has grown within the industry, um, and and for once, like I didn't feel like I was a complete novice. So, did he play thing. all the songs from his new album? No, he played uh, the majority of his hits. Okay. So the birthday song was on, and I, I had to, I had to drop down and sweep the floor with it. It was so great. Right. Um, but yeah, I guess so. That kind of wraps up. I know there are a few other conferences that we're looking to attend this year. We'll keep you guys posted. Um, that's our ad week and ad color recap. Um, as always, you guys can hit us up um, on the social media channels. We are Ask Mixed Company on Twitter and Instagram and Mixed Company Podcast on Facebook. Um, you can also shoot us an email at askmixedcompany at gmail.com, and we will read your questions, comments, and concerns on the air. Y'all have a great day evening depending on when you're listening to this and depending on your agency have a great weekend right (laughs) and um we'll holla at y'all later bye